0: This is the fourth podcast in our series life in the time of coronavirus in which specialists from arts humanities and social sciences think about the questions that the virus poses to our ways of life of being and self-understanding both now and in the past in this contribution professor ayona Datta, professor of human geography thinks about survival infrastructures in calcutta and their collapse or dysfunctionality in the context of the mass exodus and precarity of migrant workers forced to forsake the city because of India's lockdown. What comes into focus in her description is not only the failure of the city to support its vulnerable workers, but the way that the survival of the city depends on the bodies it betrays. Hello, my name is Ayana Datta and I'm a professor in Human Geography in UCL. Today I'm going to talk about survival infrastructures under COVID-19 in India. I grew up hearing stories of Calcutta during the Bengal Famine of 1943 from my grandmother. The famine was an artificially created disaster under the watchful eyes of the British colonial government who denied Indian farmers access to food stock resulting in starvation and death, a genocide of about three million poor Indians. Winston Churchill, the hero of the war, noted famously that Indians, quote, bred like rabbits, unquote, and therefore deserved to die. My grandmother and her family lived in Calcutta at the time, and they witnessed an exodus of migrants from villages and surrounding towns swarming into the city, hoping desperately to survive. Through her life, my grandmother repeated stories of the cries of starvation on the streets outside her family home. An incident that particularly affected her as a young woman was when a starving man resting on their doorway through the night was found dead in the morning. Municipal lorries would come and carry off dead bodies regularly, but the bodies came faster and more frequently than the lorries. A similar exodus out of cities is occurring in 21st century India under COVID-19, which has seen heavy tolls on its poor, migrant population. On 24th of March, the Indian state announced a lockdown, which would come in place within four hours. Public places were sealed off, social distancing was enforced, public and private transport was suspended. Cities began to use drones, CCTV, quarantine apps, hand stamping, neighbourhood disinfection drives and any strategy they could to contain the virus. The virus was invisible, but so had been the city's migrants. Overnight, the streets were filled with domestic helpers, cleaners, hawkers, food vendors, construction workers, drivers, security guards and a whole range of service workers who were stripped of their livelihoods and began walking back to their villages and small towns, undertaking journeys that would take up to 15 days without food or rest or money. The images of these migrants walking home were like scenes from the Bengal famine, evoking several traumas that Indians store in their collective and personal memories. Those who couldn't walk faced starvation. It was clear that the survival infrastructures that had supported and sustained migrants in the city so far had completely collapsed. What are these survival infrastructures and whose survival should we be talking about if the virus does not distinguish between rich and poor? Asha, one of my participants living in a slum resettlement colony in Delhi, called me the other day. She had been working for four continuous days in a night shelter in South Delhi. Asha had not even been paid a salary for four months, and she was told she could quit if she wanted, but she had no other source of income, so she stayed. She was tired, frustrated and scared, but wanted to check that I was fine in these times. In the night shelter, she cooked and fed hundreds of migrant workers every day, These migrant workers had no income, and they were starving and locked out in the city. The night shelter was also running out of money to buy supplies. There are reports that supplies of food are overflowing in India during the lockdown, yet they're not reaching the starving migrants coming for food in these shelters. As a single mother separated from her husband, Asha had not met her older child who was living with her in-laws. She was also worried about infecting her elderly mother and her small child. Journey to work each day took up to three hours by foot, since she was not allowed in a public bus without a lockdown pass. And she could not get one because she was not a government employee. Exhausted and facing frequent sexual harassment in the dark, empty streets, Asha was worried she would not make it home that evening. When a city goes into lockdown, its survival infrastructures are crucial for the most vulnerable. Hospitals are arguably the key survival infrastructures of these COVID times, but the food supply chains that feed migrants, the social and economic networks that provide them access to livelihoods, affordable housing that gives shelter to migrants, these are all critical during lockdown. For the migrant, Survival infrastructures also include transport, water, sanitation, the basic urban services which are often denied to them. For the elderly, access to health infrastructures as well as social support systems of care and companionship are critical. For working women, safe cities are the key survival infrastructures. Survival infrastructures are not the same for everyone. They are prioritised along lines of social difference gender, class, caste, religion, and age, to name a few. They determine what Steve Graham and Colin McFarlane note as quote, infrastructural lives, unquote. That is how people relate to, experience, and negotiate the city during moments of existential crisis, such as now. The city failed to provide the most basic survival infrastructures to its most vulnerable migrant workers, during lockdown. The Financial Times reports recently that over 140 million migrant workers in India have lost their jobs. To get by, they, within quotes, have pared their diets, drawn down meagre savings, borrowed from moneylenders and collected food handouts, unquote. Yet, life goes on in other parts of the city families have quickly adjusted to working from home, private schools have begun online classes with their students, vendors still service middle-class colonies, ATMs still dispense cash, Zoom parties are on the rise, food can be ordered online, and even critical healthcare can be tended at home. As we try to comprehend how this is possible when millions of migrants are starving in other parts of the city, we might begin to see something else that has been invisible so far. Even as the millions of migrants have returned to their villages, it is the thousands like my participant Asha who remain in the city, who are providing basic services and keeping it moving under lockdown. They may well be heroes who are regularly memorialised with performative rituals of clapping and utensil banging, but, crucially, They are also human victims who are caught in the crossfire between the virus and the dereliction of state duties towards its most vulnerable citizens. COVID-19 has taught us something even more profound than the exodus of migrants from the city. COVID-19 has shown us that the migrant worker is the survival infrastructure of the city. If we accept this, we might reimagine the role of infrastructures differently in post COVID cities. Because once the virus is eliminated and public places are reopened, once the crowds return to the streets and citizens step back into their normal lives, whatever that may be, the city might still fail to survive if the migrants do not return to keep it all moving smoothly. Thanks for listening. Our thanks also to Iona Data for this inspiring piece. For more podcasts and think pieces from the IAS, just google Institute of Advanced Studies Talk Pieces and hit our website. You can send us your feedback and proposals at Institute of Advanced Studies at ucl.ac.uk. This podcast was produced by Catherine Stokes and me, Albert Brenchat-Aguilar. Music is by Small House, Best of Feelings, and the BBC Sound Archive. Communications are by Patricia Mascare-Jombard, and executive producer is Tamar Look after yourselves and others, and see you soon.